Welcome to the teaching ministry of Walt East, lead chaplain at Sky Valley Chapel. We hope this teaching will serve as a practical guide for your daily walk as a Christ follower. We encourage you to follow along with your Bible and life notes, which can be found in the podcast show notes or on our website at svmin.com. Well, in case I haven't said it to you already, I know a couple people came in late, um, but happy Mother's Day. And uh, it's that day that we remember those who, who brought us into the world. And as my mom used to remind my brothers and me, also the one that, who could take us out. Uh, just kidding. Not really. Um, she did say that. But seriously, our moms are the ones who, who first loved us. They took care of us, they provided for us, they, they protected us. And as I grew up, it was my mom's voice in my head constantly as a kid that was telling me, you know, don't touch that, you can't go there, get down from, from there, don't pick that up, you gotta wear a jacket, don't forget to brush your teeth, you gotta take a bath. And as a little boy, I mean, little guys, did you like taking baths as a little boy or did you just wanna go how long, however long you could? And then there's the most famous one, don't put that in your mouth. And I don't know how many times that probably saved me, but it seemed like a mom's job is, is just keeping the kids alive, keeping the kids safe, protecting the kids. And there's something intrinsic to moms about that. You see it in the animal kingdom. In fact, I've got a couple slides, uh, pictures I wanna show you here. I love this one of a, of a mother lioness with her, with her cubs down at a watering hole, and the cubs, you can see, are staying close to mom, but you can also see mom's watching. She's got her eyes open. She's looking you know, for danger, because she's also gotta protect her cubs, even though they also need to get water. You know, she's alert, and, and she's ready to pounce if she has to. Uh, how about this mama bear carrying her cubs? And how many times did our moms carry us, uh, both uh, literally and figuratively? In the animal kingdom, we get that. It's, it's, a, it's amazing, this natural instinct that mothers have. And human moms are just as wired to protect their offspring as well. This next picture was taken in September 2013. You may remember the Westgate Mall in Nairobi, Kenya. It was attacked by Al-Shabub, which means the youth, an Islamist insurgent group that's based in Somalia. And these moms are, are carrying their children to safety. And this mom in the cafeteria, she instinctively laid down, she grabbed her youngest under her arm, and then she reached out to hold the shoulder and the elbow of her, of her other child. And, and she said, just be still, be still, don't move, don't move. And in thinking about that and coming to the very last words of this book study, we, for 17 weeks we've been studying 1 Peter. We've been looking at what the, the sage apostle has to say to a church that's, that's under persecution, to a church that's trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And as we come to these last words in, in this book, you may think, well, what in the world does this have to do with Mother's Day? But please realize, as we look at the words of Peter today, this is the heart of every mom, for this is a protection passage. You see, it's a dangerous world out there. It was a dangerous world back then when Peter was writing this, and it remains so a dangerous world today. And what mother doesn't want her child to be safe and to be prepared 
no matter what the danger may be. We've been reading encouragement from Peter as he writes after 30 years, 30 years after he walked with Jesus, 30 years after making some pretty big mistakes, and he cannot close this book without coming back to the heart of a mom and what every kid, what every child, what every follower of Jesus needs to know about being protected in this dangerous world. We're in 1 Peter chapter five, we're gonna begin at verse eight here, and we're gonna finish the book today, and I'm calling this, as I've already said, be prepared for battle. You know, isn't, isn't that a nice Mother's Day title? He starts off, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've had five chapters now, five chapters of, of Peter writing the cycle that keeps going over and over and over again. He says, do you even remotely understand who God is and what he's done for you? Do you understand what he's made you? He's made you, he's made you a kingdom of priests. He's made you sons and daughters of the king. And now because of that, here's how you should live. Then he says, let me tell you something else in case you've missed it, of who your God is and what he's done for you. And four times, four different times in this book, in five chapters, he's gone through this cycle of telling them these things. And now he's coming to these, these famous last words. He's, he's closing this book that he's writing to the churches that are under a Roman government where they've been greatly attacked, they've been, they've been persecuted. Nero, the emperor of Rome, has, has made it open season on Christianity. Life is tough. Life is hard. They're all sitting there in their, in their home worship groups trying to think, and they're, they're thinking, I thought God was on our side. Why are we going through these things? Why is life so hard? And Peter takes an entire book, a small one, five chapters, and he tries to encourage them, and he tries to encourage us regarding these sufferings in life, the heartbreak, the heartache of this life the failures of this life, the attacks of this life, and he keeps encouraging us and reminding us that heaven comes later. He keeps encouraging us of this God that walks through the suffering with us. And now he starts to close this book, and it's, it's the mother's heart that comes out. It's this protection piece that almost says, before you go, before I close this, I need to tell you what's out there. I need to tell you about the greatest danger. It's a cruel world and you need to be prepared for battle. In preparing for battle, the first thing I think we need to know is we need to know ourselves. You need to know yourself. Two things he starts with, and I want you to write this down. Number one, he simply says, be self-controlled. Self-controlled, well, you know, why is he going here? Well, because when we are self-controlled, we've done at least 80% of what's needed to make sure that we can avoid the attacks. Spiritually speaking, in this Christian life, when we get ourselves to a place where we are out of control, that's the place where sin is going to reign. That's the place where we are open to attack. So where do we go out of control in our life? Where's the place where we're, where we're no longer led by the Spirit of God? Immediately what comes to mind is, is substance abuse. We don't like to talk about it a lot, but substance abuse. The Bible says never be drunk on wine and alcohol. Don't be drunk. Anytime we get to a place where we're, we're buzzed or we're drunk, we're, we're no longer in control. 
And obviously we can't be led by the spirit because we've given ourselves over to another spirit out of a can or a bottle. When it comes to to recreational marijuana, people say, well, it's legal, it's no big deal. And I respond, there's lots of things that are legal that are not necessarily good for you. I don't care what the world legalizes, if we get ourselves in a place where we're under the influence of something else, we're no longer in control of our senses or or of our thoughts, there's no clarity, they're no longer being led by the Spirit of God, if we're children of God, then that is sin, and that's a huge issue. But I could also say, what about anger? What about those that, that have a quick fuse? and they're no longer in control of themselves, they they fly off the handle. What about the area of lust where where so many deal with with controlling issues? We live in a a sexualized society where we've totally lost control of our sensuality and our sexuality when it comes to this area. What about work and the workaholic? You know, I've been guilty of this, uh, trying to be everything to everybody outside the house and forgetting who was inside the house. It's so easy to get our our validity, to get our strokes, to get our self-esteem, our applause, our standing from those outside of the home in our work, all the while falling short with those that we are supposed to be loving first. And we get out of balance that way. What about the area of our pride? What about our finances? Areas of either materialism or being excessively tight with our finances. You see, any area that that takes us beyond good, anything that comes to a point of of harming ourselves or of others or or we're not in control of our faculties, any area of compulsion, any area of obsession, too much TV, too many video games, too much exercise, for some of us, some of us may need some exercise, too much having to look at ourselves in the mirror and daily having to have that, too much looking for that perfect body, any of that stuff can take away from us and it can cause us to lose control. Any area that becomes a danger to people, to family, to relationships, they start suffering because of it, that takes us away from our first priority, from our first calling. So anywhere we look at, we say, in this area, I'm no longer controlled by the Spirit or walking with Him. That's when we've lost self-control. And Peter, before he ends this book, he goes, let me tell you, You've got an enemy out there. And the first thing you have to realize about yourself is you've got to be self-controlled. Because if you have an area where you've lost control, if you have an area where you're no longer controlled by the Spirit of God, then you've put yourself in a danger zone. And so he goes and he says the second thing is this, be alert. Be self-controlled and be alert. Peter realizes the enemy that we have. You know, I said a few weeks ago in a previous message that we need to remember that the moment we say that we're going to follow Christ, the moment we give our life to God, the moment we say that I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, not a religion that I belong to or a church that I go to, but I'm truly going to live my life according to Christ, the moment we do that, we get an enemy. We get an enemy. You see, there's not just God, the creator, the deity of love, there's, there's an evil one. The Bible says Satan is real. Satan is real. He's not some mythological, made-up figure that man invented to try and and describe evil. The Bible says Satan is real. He's the accuser. He hates our father, but he can't touch him. 
And everyone knows if you hate a parent but you can't touch the parent, what do you do? You go after the kid. You go after the children. It's not because of who you are. It's simply because of who your father is that there's a target on your back. And Satan would love to get at the heart of God, and the heart of God is his people, his sons and daughters. And so we walk through this life with an enemy, and Peter says, be alert. Be alert. Be vigilant. He's an expert at what he does. The enemy is an expert at finding a foothold in your life. He's an expert at finding any little piece in your life that he can hold on to, any place where you're unguarded. In John 10, 10, Jesus said this, he said, don't you realize that Satan, the thief, has come to steal, to kill, and destroy? He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Our enemy is an incredible burglar who's, who's bound to, to rip you off if you're not alert. You see, a burglar only needs one point of entry. He doesn't need every door. He just, he just needs one window, just one small crack to be able to get in. And Peter says, look at your life. Is there an area of your life where you're out of control? Is there an area of your life that's not governed by the Spirit of God? You've given the thief a foothold. You've given him a little handhold into your life, into your marriage, into your home, into your finances, into your thoughts. Now, this doesn't mean that we, we live our lives in terror. We, we don't walk around petrified. The Apostle John reminds us in, in his epistle in 1 John chapter 4 that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are children of God, and that gives us an incredible amount of safety and protection, but it doesn't mean that we can be ignorant. We don't want to live foolishly. We need to be alert. We need to look at what is in our life. We need to look at where it is in our life, in our lust, in our thoughts, in our finances, in our consumption of things. We need to look for where's that open door that may give the enemy a way in. Because we've got the enemy who's crafty. He's constantly watching. He's just trying the window, trying the door, checking the latch, trying to find out where's the weakness, where's the weak spot, what's not being secured. Where'd you leave the opening? Is it on the internet? Is it, is it on a personal device? Is it, is it in a relationship that you have? Is it in your finances? Is it, is it your anger and your rage? Or is it your propensity to gossip, to want to talk about other people? And such a foothold can, can hurt the people in our life, and it can hurt our walk with God because the enemy quickly goes in there when he sees that vulnerability. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so you must also know your enemy. Know yourself, but you must also know your enemy. Back when I was going through the Surface Warfare Officers Basic course in Newport, Rhode Island, a long, long time ago, we had an entire section where we, at the time, the Cold War was going on. And an entire section of our curriculum was what we nicknamed the Soviet sweat. And what it was is we had to learn not just our own Navy and our own weapon systems and stuff like that. We not only had to know our Navy, but we had to know the Soviet Union's order of battle, all their ships, all their missiles, their aircraft, all that kind of stuff. We had to know the enemy. 
And, and that was probably the hardest module, and it was a little bit easy for me because my undergraduate degree was in Soviet and East European studies, and I had written my, my senior thesis at Ohio State on the Soviet Navy, so I had a, had a leg up starting that, that, that section. But you have to know your enemy. And the first thing Peter says here about our enemy, he says, in knowing your enemy, you need to remember two things. But the first one is he stalks his prey. He stalks his prey. We've seen these before, haven't we? The videos on YouTube or on the internet or someone sent you an email with the video in it. You don't want to look, but you look. You know that poor gazelle, that poor, that poor deer, it's going to go down. It's going to get attacked. The lion's going to grab it probably about the neck and get it at the juggler and start eating it before it even takes it all the way down. But you keep watching when that lion stalks its prey, when the lion's there in the high grass just looking. He's looking for the weak one. He's looking for the isolated one. He's, he's looking for the separated one, the one with the limp, the one that, that hangs back away from the others. And he starts zeroing in on it. A couple of years after that Westgate Mall attack in Nairobi that I mentioned at the beginning of the message, in, in May and June of 2015, Lou and I visited our oldest daughter, Julia, and her family in Kenya. Two months before we went, I remember they announced the news on a Saturday night. I was standing up here preaching on Sunday morning, the day after Al-Shabaab terrorists killed 147 students in an assault on the Harissa University in northeastern Kenya. They began by killing two security guards, and then they fired on students. And witnesses said the, the militants singled out Christians and shot them. And how they figure out who the Christians were, well, they asked them, who was the mother of the Prophet Muhammad? And when someone couldn't answer that, they figured they were a Christian and shot them. Four of the gunmen were eventually surrounded in a dormitory, and they died when their suicide vests were detonated. More than 500 students managed to escape, 79 of whom were injured, and a fifth gunman was arrested. Fortunately, when we were over there, we were mostly in the area of Nairobi and Karen. We did, however, spend three days on safari and got to see many wonderful sights and, and wildlife in three of the wildlife parks. And on the third day, we were to transfer from the Ambasoli Park to the Savo West Park. It's a distance of about 90 miles. And that morning as we got up and, and we, we had our breakfast and we went out to the Land Cruiser, there was a man standing with John, our guide, and this man had an AK-47 machine gun with him. And I asked John, who's this? And he said, well, this guy's going to go with us the 90 miles when we're driving from Ambasoli to Savo because there's some bad guys out there. And they look. They look for, for people that are coming through that are unprotected. And so this guy was for our security. Now, we have an enemy who stalks his prey. He's lying in cover. He's watching. He's waiting. He's looking for any sign of weakness. And it might not be today. He might just be taking notes. That, that window's kind of slightly cracked every day. That area of your, of your life isn't, isn't locked down and, and secure. And this area of your life, you haven't made the Lord in charge of. And it, it may not bother. You may think it doesn't bother anyone. You may think it's not hurting anyone. There's no, there's no victim here. But it's something you keep going back to, no matter how many times you've said that you're, you're done with it. And let me warn you, we have an expert enemy who's stalking us, looking, looking for weakness. The second thing we know about our enemy is he devours his prey. He devours his prey. The enemy devours his prey. He says, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He doesn't want to nibble. He doesn't want to just 
jump out and, and touch you. He doesn't want to just, just bite your ankle like a monkey trying to play with you. Satan doesn't want to make your life miserable. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your marriage. As Jesus said, he's come to steal, to, to kill, to destroy. He's come to steal your joy. He's come to steal your happiness. He's come to, to kill whatever future, whatever hope that you have, whatever life, whatever relationships you have. He's come to destroy that plan that God has for you that's beyond your wildest dreams. That's his job, and he's incredibly, incredibly good at it. He devours his prey. Sometimes that happens quickly, like a lion pouncing on an innocent victim, and, and you realize that the battle isn't going to last long, that this one's about to be devoured. But some of us, we don't realize the devouring can come from inside, like a parasite inside our, our body, eating us alive from within. There's a story in the Old Testament in Joshua about a guy named Achan. When Jericho fell, God said, I'm giving you this land, but do not take anything from the city. This isn't about plundering. This isn't about getting rich. This is about ridding the land of evil. And so this guy named Achan, he saw in the spoils of, of war, he saw a purple robe and a little bit of gold and silver. And he quickly took and he wrapped it up it was small enough where he could, he could steal it away and he could hide it inside his tent back home. And he thought, it's not that big of a thing. It's not really hurting anybody until Israel came to the next battle against this little town called Ai. And after having this great victory at, at Jericho, Israel got routed at the battle of Ai. And Joshua comes to God and says, God, what is going on? We're trying to follow you. What's the deal? Why, why couldn't we conquer Ai? And God said, your army has sinned. It's in Joshua chapter, chapter 7, if you want to read it later this week. Joshua said, the army sinned. We have no idea what's going on here. So God said, line up the families and have the families march by. And the families marched by, and, and God picked Achan's family. When Achan was put on the spot, Achan reveals what's been hidden in his tent. For he disobeyed the Lord, and he took some of the spoils from Jericho. And that day, Achan and his entire family were killed, wiped out from Israel. And I don't know about you, but, but, but that's how this tends to work. It's, it's those little things that we've, we've hidden away in our tent. It's those, those little areas that we think don't bother anybody, and, and we don't feel like we're being devoured by it, and nothing's really wrong. We're not willing to give up this relationship. We're not willing to give up this, this vice. We're, we're not willing to, to give it up, and we think, I need it. It's, it's just for my anxiety. It just calms me down. It just gives me peace. It, it's just a little bit of my lust. It's just a little bit of passion. It's that little bit of, of, of. And I don't know what drives us in those areas, but it's always that little bit of desire that we're not willing to let go of, and it devours us from within. When we're in our life and, and leaving the window open, the door just a, just a crack, Satan's going to find that foothold in our life. This world is, is set up and it's going to attack us. And has it ever dawned on you that before you're married, Satan does everything he can to get you to have sex with your partner? And then after you're married, Satan does everything he can to keep you from having sex with your spouse. That ever dawned on you? Why is that? It's because he understands the power of intimacy. He understands the power of God's gift of sexuality and, and creation. And he understands if he can take it outside the guidelines that God has given, he can use it to destroy us. 
He understands the power of intimacy in marriage, and, and if he can keep that from happening, it's going to keep the marriage from being vibrant and on fire. And it's almost laughable, but, 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 it's, but it's tragic. You know, when's the last time you, you saw a love scene in a movie between a husband and a wife, two people that were married? They don't put that in, in the shows anymore. They don't make that. It's almost every scene you see, it's in every commercial you see, Satan understands the power of real intimacy and will do everything to, to masquerade a false intimacy in our life just to get us to open the door, just to put the idea in our, in our mind, invade our thought life. And he goes, I'm going to devalue you. I'm going to take you down. It's simply because of who your father is. If you claim to be a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, you're a target. And maybe this is the best Mother's Day message of all time because what mom doesn't want their kids to understand where the greatest danger lies and how to make sure that, that they're not just physically but spiritually alive and well. Peter finishes out the book in beginning at verse 9. He says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith. He's saying, resist the devil. Stand firm in your faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. He's reminding them, you're not alone in this. It's easy to lose hope when we think we're going through something by ourselves when we're alone. It's why fellowship with other believers is, is so important. As you study, as you discover spiritual truth, as you discuss it, you may think, well, I thought I was the only one. And then you realize, you know, no, we're all under attack. In verse 10, he says this. He says, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. You know, this is what we call a doxology. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a hymn to, uh, to God, lifting up the, the, the grace that God has given us, reminding us of the eternal glory. This is temporal. These sufferings, these things that we're going to go through in this life, it's temporary. We've got to remember that. Peter wants us to remember that. Heaven comes later. And then a couple personal notes Peter adds in here. He says, with the help of Silas. Now, if you've read your New Testament, especially the book of Acts, you've seen this guy before, Silas. He went with Paul on his second missionary journey. You know, Silas, he was a companion of Paul. He was more educated than Peter the fisherman was. He could probably write better than Peter could. So, so Peter probably had this book he wanted to write, and he looked up Silas and he said, hey, dude, will you help me write this? And so he says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother. A faithful brother. And then he says the reason he wrote, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying. He said, I'm trying to, the whole reason I'm writing this is to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace, the, the unmerited favor of God. Stand fast in it. 
He says, she who is in Babylon, and, and Babylon was like a cryptic way of referring to Rome back then. You've got to remember, this is, this is a church that's under siege. It's, it's a church that they've got spies, the government has spies everywhere looking for Christians, trying to find them, trying to kill them. So Babylon's a key word for Rome, and he's writing cryptically here. He's, he says, chosen together with you. In other words, again, you're not alone. There's a church back here. There's this lady back there. We don't know if he's talking, scholars don't know if he's talking about his wife or who he's talking about, if it's referring to the church as she, was chosen together with you. Again, you're not alone. You're out there in the frontiers of Asia Minor where this letter was sent to, but also there's people in Rome who, who were chosen with you. It sends you her greetings, and so does my son, Mark. Again, someone else that we know from, from the New Testament. Mark, the, the traveling companion of, of Paul, who when Paul went on his second uh, missionary journey, kind of bailed. And, uh, and, and Paul and Mark had the falling out, but Mark found a friend in Peter. And it's believed by most Bible scholars that, that, that Mark's source for his gospel was Peter. Mark recorded the stories, the preaching of Peter that Peter taught. Peter who had been there with Jesus throughout that ministry. He says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. I love the way that Peter wraps this up. And he says, don't you understand the God of all grace? You have a God that regardless of who you are and, and where you've gone and how far you've run, you can stand firm in him. And you got to remember, this is a guy who tried to talk Jesus out of the cross. This is a guy who came back after running away in the garden. He came back just to curse Jesus while Jesus was being beaten on his way to the cross. This is a guy who understands what it's like to get off track. It's a guy that came back, and, and Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he said, tell the apostles and Peter, I want to see them. This is a guy that, that gets that we can fall and that, that failure in Christianity is only event. It's only an event. It's never a person. There can still be grace after failure. You know, some of us have in here have blown it big time, but my bet is that none of us have cursed Jesus when he was being beaten. And this is a guy that writes and he says, let me tell you, let me tell you how to be alert and to be self-controlled. Let me show you the God of grace who, who allows us back no matter who we are and no matter what we've done the moment we lay it down at his feet. I know mom wants to, to keep us safe physically. My bet is that mom wants us to be safe spiritually as well. So does Peter and so does God. This is a message for Mother's Day for all of us. Happy Mother's Day. joining us for this message. For more information on Chapel Mall and the ministry of Sky Valley Chapel, please visit our website at svmin.com. You can support this ministry on our website, Facebook page, or by downloading our app in the Apple or Google Play Store. Have a blessed day.